Well, good morning. My name's Kyle. So glad to see each and every one of you here. Hope that you're excited to be here. Um, you might want to tell your neighbor hello if you want to do that by way of taking a trip back to high school with me and just tell them this one word. Say, sup, go ahead, and you can go back to high school with me. All right, there we go. Well, I hope you've had a fantastic week. Uh, welcome to uh, church today. We're so glad each and every one of you were here. We had a great Sunday last Sunday. I want to thank each and every one of you for getting up earlier, serving, doing, inviting your friends, being here, getting a little bit uncomfortable. We had a great first Sunday of two services last Sunday. We had 647 people between both services, and so we praise God for that and give him all the glory. You guys hit it out of the park. Well, hey, one of my passions in life is backpacking. In fact, I brought my backpack with me. Um, this is what I strap on my back and uh, head out into the wild outdoors with, and I love doing it. Um, this pack, when it's fully loaded with water and supplies and everything else that I need, food and shelter, it weighs about 28 pounds, and I can put that on my back, and I can pretty much go anywhere that's physically possible to go and experience things that you can't experience by driving up in a car or uh, what have you. You have to get on those trails to go and see those places. And so I thought for just a moment, if you don't mind, I'm going to show you just a few of the places I've seen. Uh, I can give you so many more. But this first one here is Bering Mountain. It's in the state of Washington. We used to live there. I got to make a trip back this last year. Got to uh, go on a trip, put on my backpack, went in about four or five miles. And this is what I woke up to was this mountain, Bering Mountain. You probably never heard of this before. It's one of those, it's just out there in the middle of nowhere and you got to go find it. Literally, this is what I woke up to. This mountain right here is just absolutely stunning and incredible. Um, the next picture I think is coming from um, Colorado. we got the next picture coming up there. There we go. Um, sorry for my ugly mug being up there. You have to look at me twice at the same time. That's kind of overwhelming, right? Anyway, um, it was fall in Colorado. And behind me is the Arkansas River, as you know, kind of starts there in Colorado and flows all the way. And then behind me are what they call the College Mountains. Um, that's amidst uh, all the Rocky Mountains right there. Just an incredible, incredible um, thing to see right there. And then I think I've got a couple more. This one may not look like much, but let me tell you what this is. This was my first view of Yosemite Falls. If you look down at the bottom, you can see some water cascading over. That's the top of Yosemite Falls. That was my first view of Yosemite Falls. Instead of driving into the valley like most people do, and it's totally cool, I totally recommend that, driving in and seeing it, we backpacked in about seven miles in the high country, and this was my first view. I could have gotten a little bit better picture of the falls, but I may not have been here to show you that. Anyway, it was just stellar, and we got to camp up there at the top of Yosemite Falls. This next one is also from Washington State. Um, this is Sahala uh, Glacier. I'm actually standing on a glacier taking this picture over the Cascade Mountains there. Just a stellar view of God's handiwork and his creation. Um, I saved you one picture, didn't put it up there, but there's actually a privy up there. If you don't know what a privy is, that's kind of backpacking term for a bathroom. Uh, there's a bathroom up there pretty much where I'm standing right now, and um, there's no walls around it because there's nobody around. It's been voted the best view from a privy in the world, and I'm not joking. That's really what you see when you're there at the privy. All right, so anyway, here's the deal. You can't get there unless you go. There are so many things that we can experience in life if we're willing to put forth the effort, the energy, and go there. Listen, when it comes to God, there are a lot of things that he wants you to experience. There are places that he wants you to get, 
but you can't get there unless you go. This whole thing we call Christianity, it's a movement. It's a movement. In fact, one of the words that Jesus declared with all authority when he spoke to us in his word was this word, go. It's all about you and I moving where he moves, going where he goes. He moves, we move. So God has a plan for us, and we can't get there unless we go. This has been the movement since the beginning. In the Old Testament, it looked a little bit different. It was the people of God, known as the Israelites, who were supposed to invite the rest of the world to join them on the journey. It's the same thing today. We're the church, and we're supposed to invite the world to join us on this journey as we follow Jesus. And as he goes, we go. Well, as you think about this idea of God moving, and then in turn, we move, I don't mind saying that for many of us, that can kind of be a scary idea. Like, which way is he going to go? How far is he going to go? How deep is he going to go? How high is he going to go? When am I going to get scared? Because I know there's going to be a moment here where this is going to get really, really scary. And it is. So I want to encourage you a little bit from a word from about 3,000 years ago from a guy named Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9. It's going to be on the screen. If you need a Bible, you can pull one from the chair underneath you. And you can find Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 on page 181. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Will you read that last part with me? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, that should encourage you to the core of your being. To know that when you got up today, God was with you. When you got in your car, God was with you. When you showed up here, God was with you. When you leave here today, God's with you. When you go to the workplace tomorrow, yes, I said the workplace, God is with you. Wherever you go, he promises to be with you. Now, if you're not really following Jesus right now and like you're not really obeying him very much right now, this word of scripture might kind of weird you out a little bit because you're like, wait a minute, did he go with me there? And uh-oh, did he, did he, was he there too? Like, I really don't think that was probably the most appropriate place for him to be, right? But if you're following Jesus, you can be excited and encouraged and blessed to know that wherever you go, he is going with you. Another interesting thing to know about the guy who's writing this, his name's Joshua. He's the new leader at this point of the people of God. He's really the second appointed leader by God for his people. The first leader was named Moses. A lot, of, a lot of us are familiar with that name in the Old Testament, Moses. So what Joshua had here was a second generation faith. In other words, he got to watch Moses walk with God. He got to watch Moses follow God. And now Joshua, in turn, is following God. And he writes these words, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, don't be down, don't be out, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now listen to me. This is very important. There's a massive difference between a second-generation faith and a second-handed faith. Some of us are a part of a second-generation faith. We had a father or a mother or maybe a grandparent or somebody around us that showed us how to follow Jesus and we're following Jesus now and it's ours. Some of us though, listen, this is big. Some of us are just simply living in what's called a second hand faith. 
And it's not ours. Our mama or our daddy or our grandma or our grandpa had faith. And we think because they had faith, we've got faith. They think because they follow Jesus that we just follow Jesus. And you're not following Jesus right now. He's not yours. You're not obeying him. You're not trusting him. You're not following him. And it's a second-hand faith. We need a second-generation faith, a real faith, a real faith. Mamas and daddies, be encouraged. Your kids watch you follow Jesus. And I'm not talking about just come to church and act like it. I'm talking about follow Jesus. You will impact their life forever. Today, I'm standing on the shoulders of my mom and my dad and their faith. Okay, I am who I am, much in part to their faith. So moms and dads, as you're thinking about, do I follow God or do I not follow God? As you're making those decisions to follow him, you're impacting your children more than you will ever, ever know. Joshua, second generation faith. So here's Joshua, the second leader of of the people of God. I want you to flip back a few pages into the book of Exodus, chapter 13, and look at the first generation guy, Moses. Exodus chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 17. It's on page 57 in your Bibles that are underneath um, the chair there, page 57. Exodus chapter 13, picking up in verse 17. Let me give you a little background on the story here. The people of God had been in slavery for generations. Things had not been going well. They were under the rule and reign of Pharaoh, a really mean Pharaoh, who made them his slaves. He treated them like animals. He didn't give them the food that they needed. He didn't give them the rest that they needed. He didn't give them the provisions. He's worked them like dogs. They were treated just unbelievably terrible. And now God has come through. And through what we know as the ten plagues, the miracles that God did, the flies and the gnats and all those stories that maybe you remember from the Old Testament, God has freed them out of the land of Egypt. Pick up in verse 17, Exodus chapter 13. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. This would be like you and I hopping in a car, headed to Dallas, and we don't take I-30. Like, what are you thinking? Can you imagine, like, hey, going as a group of friends, and you hop in, you're not driving, and they go some other direction, like, to get to Dallas besides taking I-30. You'd be like, man, we're never going to get there, right? Like, why wouldn't you take I-30? It's the shortest. It's the best. It's the fastest. And it says here in Scripture that God decided to not lead them along the main road, the shortest route, That would lead them to the promised land. Here's what he says in verse 17. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God's going to lead you sometimes in some ways that don't make sense to you. You would be smart to stop trying to use all of your energy figuring God out And learn to trust him, knowing that even though it doesn't look like it makes sense, it's the best plan because it's God's plan. He knew if he took them the shortest way, they'd have to go into battle. He said, I don't think they're ready for it. They go to battle, they'll get freaked out. They'll go back to Egypt. Do they need to go back to slavery? No. Do they need to go back to being treated like dogs? No. He didn't want that for them. So he took them a longer, more inconvenient way because he had a better plan for them. Is it possible that some of you are fighting battles today that you have no business fighting because you haven't been following God? You're trying to make some shortcuts. You're trying to get where you want to go. You think you got it all fixed figured out, and as a result, you're dealing with some junk and some stuff that you ought not be dealing with because you haven't been following God. Is it possible that in your marriage right now, 
There are some junk going on, some battles being had because you decided I'm going to do things my way. How easy is that, husbands? How easy is that, wives, to make that decision? I'm just going to do what I want to do today. How's that work out for you? Are you with me? And we're just talking about on small level stuff here, right? We're not even talking about being unfaithful or untrue to your spouse because some of you are there. And it's causing havoc in your marriage today. And you're trying to take the short route to get where you want to go. And you're not following God and it's causing a mess in your finances, some of you are upside down, messed up, jacked up right now in your finances because you want to take a shortcut called debt to get where you want to be. And then you're like, God, I need more money. Give me a job that can give me more money. God, won't you give me a job that pays me more money so I can get out of debt? And God's like, I never led you down that path in the first place. Some of you right now, like your mind, you can't even focus on what I'm talking about right now because you're worried about paying the bills. And you're like, well, I got too many bills. Most of you have too many bills because you chose to have too many bills. And God's like, that's not the path I have for you. Some of you got some friendships and some relationships that are in turmoil right now because you're not following the path that God has for you and you're fighting some battles that you have no business fighting right now. Look at verse 18. <laughs> this is so encouraging. So God led them in a roundabout way. That's what you want to hear, right? Like God's going to lead you in a roundabout way. I like making time. I do. I, I love it. I like, man, we drove to Orlando last year for Disney, and our family reloaded up, what, Sunday after Easter, I think? Like, we literally got done with church, second service, and we hopped in the car, and, man, we went off on vacation, and we drove straight, straight through, and I got three witnesses right up here. From here to Orlando, check me out, we stopped twice. Boom! Four kids. Oh, yeah! Man, it was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, you know, when we stop, you pee, you don't drink anything, right? And we get gas and we get back going. It was phenomenal. And yet God says, I'm going to lead you in a roundabout way. Well, that sounds fun. Let's go wander around a little bit. God led them in a roundabout way. Keep on reading. Through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. If you know about that story, you're catching on. If you don't, we're going to tell you about it just a little bit. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. At least they thought they were. God said they weren't. Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph. This was a guy that led um, before them. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. A promise from one of God's leaders. God will certainly come to help you. Listen, if you've got another follower of Jesus around you that speaks a word of encouragement over you, praise God for that. They've already been there. They've already done that. They've already been through it. They already survived it. They already came through on the other side. Maybe they went through the valley of the shadow of death, and they came out on the other side. Are you with me? Maybe they've already gone through the grief process, and they come out on the other side, and like, you're going to make it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to make it. That's the word he's given to them. Verse 20. The Israelites left Succoth and camped. There's that word camp. This is what I enjoy doing, camping. Now, for me, again, 28 pounds, everything I've got, everything I need, all right? I can take my wife and my kids with me. They've all got gear, and we can go, and we can do the same thing. Can you imagine what they were toting in those days to, like, camp with? They had their kids. They had their mules. They had their, you know, I was going to say pigs, but they didn't have pigs. They had all kinds of animals with them. Some of y'all don't have any idea what I'm talking about right now, and that's okay. Um, they had animals with them, tents made out of what? I mean, I mean, they just, you know, like pounds and pounds and pounds of stuff they took with them. They camped, okay? So they'd set up camp. Can you imagine how long it took them to do that? They camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them 
Verse 21, he guided them. Everybody say, he guided them. He got, that's what you're desperate for in your life right now, the guidance of God. And it's not because he's not offering it. It's because you're not taking it. God is faithful to guide. He says, I will guide them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. So there was this cloud in the sky that God put there that was obviously his presence that he put in the sky. So you can imagine seeing this cloud that was just there every day. And you knew that God's here. God's here. God's here. He didn't stop at the pillar of a cloud. He said, I went on. He said, I provided a light at night with a pillar of fire. How amazing that must have been, right? Like, you don't have to start your own campfire. Like, it's just kind of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, pillar of fire. Every night, God was there. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. Now, that sounds kind of cool and encouraging until you think about the implications of what it means when he says it allows you to travel by day or by night. In other words, I'm going to move when I want to move, and y'all need to move with me. If I want to move when it's convenient for you, you need to move with me. If I want to move when it's inconvenient for you, y'all need to move with me. If I want to move at daytime, I'm going to move in the daytime, you need to go with me. If I want to move at nighttime, you need to go with me. Very, very challenging but beautiful thing that God is doing for them, knowing that he is leading them in the best way. Look at verse 21. Excuse me, verse 22. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. In other words, God was faithful. He was always there. He never left them. He was always present. Always present. By the way, God has made the same promise to you and I today that he will always be present. In fact, Jesus, after he said that incredible authoritative word when he told us to go in Matthew chapter 28, he follows it up and said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. And in just in case we need a little more emphasis on it, he put the word amen at the end of it. So be it. It's going to happen. So God is with us leading us, guiding us, and direction. So this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire, that God would be there present, would move, then they would move. Are we catching on that what it's saying here is when he moves, we're supposed to move? Like me, Kyle, his follower, when God moves, I'm supposed to follow him. Like we, his church, when he moves, we're supposed to follow him. Well, it sounds really, really cool on like the surface level, but some of you have already quickly moved beyond the surface level and you have started thinking about how this affects your life and it scares you. It scares you. In fact, some words that would come into play for you if you haven't been living by faith and you're considering this idea of what we're talking about, some words that would come into play, first word would be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Wait a minute, like, I've just got to do whatever he wants me to do whenever he wants me to do that. Ugh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. This is going to stretch me. This is going to cause me to go places I normally wouldn't go. This is going to cause me to do things I normally wouldn't do otherwise. Here's another word for you. Unpredictable. <laughs> we enjoy that one, right? We, we don't really want to know what's coming to surprise me all the time. I love surprises, right? I mean, I just, just keep it coming. I don't, I, no, unpredictable scares us. God, are you going to go left? Are you going to go right? Are you going to go far? Are you going to go long, short? What are, you, what are you going to do? And God just says, follow me. Another word that really kind of overwhelms us is just this idea of it being inconvenient. Inconvenient. Well, I thought like Christianity was all about like my comfort, right? 
If somebody taught you that, I'm just here to tell you they didn't teach you the truth of Christianity. And I don't know if somebody taught you that as much as you just want to believe that. Let me just go and tell you it's not true. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could be comfortable. Jesus died on the cross so that you could follow him. Inconvenient is one thing that we're going to have to wrestle with. So for me, I don't know. Like it takes me, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm not in a hurry, I can set everything up that I need. Um, and I don't know, probably 20 minutes or so if I need to, to camp out at night. Um, if I have to, I could tear it down and maybe even less. I could tear it down in 10. I normally take my time. I take a lot more time than that. But what if, what if we're camping and we've got, we got simple gear like this, like state-of-the-art, lightweight stuff that we can all put on our backpack. We're not, we're not the Israelites with our pounds and pounds of stuff that we got to haul and isn't waterproof and, you know, we don't, it doesn't even function well on the road. What, what, if, what if Jesus comes along and we've just set up camp and we've gotten settled in for the night, the campfire is going, he's like, okay, guys, tear it down, we got to move. Hey, Jesus, couldn't you like tell me like 20 minutes ago, you know, before I set this thing up? Are you with me? Like, that's terribly inconvenient for me. I'm just here to tell you that when you start following Jesus, it will be inconvenient. Now, on the flip side of this, I would argue that for those of you that have been living by faith, and for those that have been living by faith, they would tell you that it actually is different than uncomfortable, unpredictable, inconvenient. Let me, let me break this down for you. Let me give you some words that people that walk by faith would say. They would use words like, exciting, really living. In other words, when Jesus said, come follow me and I'll give you life and give it to you more abundantly, the people that are following Jesus would say, yeah, that's true. Can't even explain it. You just got to experience it to know it. Exciting, really living in this, worth it. Worth it. You want to hang out with some people that got some really cool stories to tell? Hang out with people that are living by faith. They will blow your mind with stories of what God is doing in and through them. In fact, when it comes to the word uncomfortable, I would say that the people that have been living consistently by faith are actually uncomfortable now with the idea of not living by faith. In other words, the idea of not doing marriage according to God's plan and God's way scares them because they've experienced the blessings and the protection of God by way of following him. They're like, I ain't doing that anymore. I tried that one time. It didn't work out so well. Like, I'm following him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on track. When it comes to finances, person that's been living by faith, the idea of not giving freaks them out. Why? Because they've experienced the blessings and provision and protection of God. For someone that's been walking by faith in their life, they don't want to go back to the bland, boring way of living by sight. Drop down to Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. So the people kind of got this crazy idea because things got hard. They, they walked up, and there's the Red Sea. They can't get across. Here comes the army. And in that moment, they got this crazy, foolish idea that they actually said out loud. And they actually said, you know what? I think it would be better if we went back to Egypt and we were slaves again. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a slave before. I haven't. I'm grateful that I haven't been. I hope that you haven't been. I, I'm heartbroken for anybody that ever has been. I think back on the history of our country, and it makes me be heartbroken. Slavery is an ugly, ugly thing. They had experienced that their entire life, 
things got a little bit uncomfortable with them on the journey of following God. And they said, hey, let's go back. Look at what their leader says, verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Are we in 14, verse 13? We're getting there. Chapter 14, verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still. Now that word jumps off the page at me because if you were here last week, we talked about my one word for the year. And my one word for the year is the word still. It is funny to me that I'm preaching a sermon series called He Moves, We Move, and my word for the year is still. Here's the deal. Sometimes God moves and we move. Sometimes God stops. And what do we do? We're supposed to stop. And he tells them, just be still and watch. Pay attention. It goes on to say, watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just sit still. Just be right where you are. Be still and watch God work. Drop on down to verse number 18. This is where the big parting of the Red Sea is happening. And verse 18 says, when my glory, God says, when my glory is displayed through them, who? My people. All Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. They will know it. They will know it. So we kind of just jumped right into this thing. We kind of said he moves, we move. We kind of just almost assumed that you have some kind of desire to follow Jesus. But in reality, let's ask a couple of really hard questions right now. First one is this. Why should I follow him? Why should I follow God? Why should I follow Jesus? I mean, the whole idea sounds really, really cool and really, really good, but like at the end of the day, like why should I do it? Next question. Why should he get the glory? If I'm the one that's going here and I'm the one that's going there and I'm the one that's doing this and I'm the one that's doing that, why should he get the glory? I'm going to tell you something. And if what I'm about to tell you does not stir you to follow God, nothing will. It doesn't matter how loud I say it, how quiet I say it, how animated I am when I say it. If what I'm about to tell you doesn't cause you to say, you know what? He moves, I move, nothing else will. Listen to me. God made the first move. He sent his one and only son named Jesus to leave comfort, to leave holiness, to leave perfection, to leave heaven and live among us. And he did it for his whole life of over 30 years, perfectly and purely. And then at the end of that time frame, he decided to allow people like you and me to put nails in his hands and put nails in his feet for people who had sinned, my sin, your sin, their sin, everybody's sin. He died on the cross for our sins. And then he didn't stay dead, but he came back from the dead, and he's alive today. And one day he's going to set everything right. And if that truth right there does not compel you, stir you, move you to follow God, nothing else will. Why should he get the glory? Because he died on the cross for our sins and came back from the dead. That's why. That's why. (laughs) 
If we're going to move, when he moves, we've got to do some things. Let me give them to you. First thing we've got to do, we've got we to listen. Okay, we've got to listen. Write it down. We've got to listen. Our ears have to be open. If I'm going to do what God wants me to do, I'm going to have to hear what he says, have my ears open so that I can in turn, dude, I've got to have open ears. The second thing is I've got to have open eyes. I've got to be watching as to what God is doing. Is God here or is God there? My eyes have to be open. You can't see God move if your eyes are shut and blinded. We've got to have open hearts. You can't be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to do what God wants you to do if you're just down deep in your heart, right? This is so important, individuals. This is so important, church, that our hearts are open to him. Open to him. And this last one's huge. We've got to have open Bibles. I'm not going to know what God wants me to do if my Bible is not open. This is how God definitely every single time speaks to us. This is how you can know whether it's another voice or whether it's his voice. We don't have the cloud, and we don't have the fire, and we don't have Moses, but I'm here to tell you, we have spiritual leaders today. We should praise God for them. We have the written word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Let me tell you, we've actually got it better than they had it. We've got more access to God's voice and God's will now than we ever have. So we have less excuses for not following him. We've got to have open eyes and open ears and open hearts and open Bibles. There's so many things competing for your attention. So many people, so many things speaking in your ears. How many things are trying to get your eyes today? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just everywhere, right? Trying to get our attention and get us distracted. How many things and how many people are competing for your heart? A lot of them. We've got to get our hearts open, our eyes open, our ears open, and our Bibles open. Here's the second step. We've got to listen, and then we've got to obey. Okay? Got to listen, and we've got to obey. Um, how many of you who are parents or grandparents, and there may be some great-grandparents in the room, which is awesome. How many of you who have kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, how many of you want your kids to obey? You're like, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. Why do I want my kids to obey, and why do you want your kids to obey? Why do my parents want their kids to obey? Why, why do we want our children to obey? Because we're the authority and we're in charge. Every now and then we pull that number, right? you got to obey me because I'm your daddy, right? And that's true, but that's not why we want them to obey. We want our children and our grandchildren to obey because we know that that is the best path for them to be on. That is the safest path for them to be on. That is the way they need to go to go further in life. It's the way of obedience. We don't want them breaking the law because if they break the law, what happens? They go to jail. Man, God, I pray when I grow up, my kids will go to jail. No, nobody prays that prayer. Nobody prays that prayer, right? Man, I hope when, when, when my kids grow up, like, they have to avoid the law at all costs. No, no. It's one thing I love about having a police officer on site every Sunday and these kids high-fiving. Like, I want them to know, like, that police officer is for them, right? It's for them. They'll make smart choices, right? I want my kids to obey. You want your kids to obey because it's what's best for them. 
Guess what? God wants you to obey because it's what's best for you. And just like when you were kids and your mom and daddy told you you couldn't and you didn't understand, that happens so many times even as a grown-up when God tells you what to do. He's going to tell you what to do. You don't understand. Your job is to do what? To obey him. Why? Because he's got it all figured out. Just do what he says. And here's the third one. Repeat. Listen to me closely. Some of you potentially at some point in time in your life pray to prayer. In fact, when you sang those first two songs this morning, your mind as a believer potentially went back to when you prayed that prayer. I told you my story was ugly brown shag carpet and a yellow couch and my dad and a Bible open. I'll never forget when I prayed a prayer to receive Christ to forgive me of my sins and to change my life. I'll never forget that, all right? But some of you, that's the last time you obey Jesus. That's the last time. Now, if you haven't prayed a prayer to receive Christ by way of repenting of your sins, we want you to pray a prayer, repent of your sins, and become a believer in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It's listen, obey, repeat. Listen, obey, repeat. What's my job today? Listen to God, obey him, and then do it over again. What's my job tomorrow? Listen to God, obey him, and then do it over again. God may tell me to keep doing the same thing over and over again. You ever been in those times in your life where God just keeps saying, keep doing it, just keep doing it, just keep doing it? You ever been in those times in life where it seemed like every single day God was like switching, switching stuff up, like today I want you to do this, today I want you to do that, today I want you to do this, today. My job is to listen, obey, and repeat. As I listen and I obey and I repeat, it positions me in the best possible place for him to get the glory. Why do I want him to get the glory in my life? Because I'm not living this life for my glory. I'm living this life for his glory. Why am I living it for his glory? Because he saved me, and I want other people to see that he saved me, and I want other people to experience it. If you've experienced the forgiveness of sin, don't you want other people to experience that too? Like who's more deserving of the forgiveness of sin? Who's less deserving of the forgiveness of sin? We're all in desperate need of it. And if we've experienced it and we've found the way to God through Jesus and we say, listen, obey, repeat, listen, obey, repeat, people are going to notice that you're listening and that you're obeying and that you're doing it over and over again. Like, yo, what's up with you, bro? What are you doing? And guess what you get to do? Oh, man, I'm just an obedient servant of God. I just do everything he tells me to do. No, that's not where you go with that. Man, let me tell you about Jesus. Came and he died for me. He forgave me of all my sins, and I'm going to heaven not because of anything I have done or haven't done, but because he's good. And I want you to experience that too. That's how we get that platform. That's how we get that opportunity. So listen, obey, repeat. Let me give you some next steps to consider as we wrap this thing up. Uh, maybe your next step today is to start following Jesus by believing in him as your Savior. Maybe your sin's real this morning and there's never been that time in your life where you've confessed your sin and you've believed in Christ and you said, you know what, you died for me and you rose again for me and I don't want a second-hand faith anymore. I want, I, want, I want first-hand faith now. I want to believe in you and I want you to be mine and I want, you to be, and I want, I want to be yours. I, I want us to be connected and that's the step you need to take today, man. Take that step of obedience today. Maybe for you, you have prayed and you've received Christ. Maybe your next step is to Follow Jesus by following him in baptism. Jesus got baptized. He makes it clear in his word that his followers are supposed to get baptized. Why? So that the whole world can know that we're a follower of Jesus. That's why we do that. We've got a great opportunity coming up, Super Bowl Sunday. 
man, I hope, just a, I hope a ton of you get baptized on the day that haven't been baptized, that you need to be baptized just to say, you know what, I'm going to obey. For some of you, your next step needs to look like doing what he leads you to do next. Now, what is next for you? I don't know, but here's what I know. If you received him as your Lord and Savior, he's got something for you to do. He's got something for you to do. He's telling you something specifically that he wants you to be a part of, wants you to accomplish, wants you to be in, wants you to do. you got to listen for him what? with open ears and open eyes and an open heart and an open Bible. And he'll start making his specific plan for you clear. There's a lot of things that he makes clear to all of us we just need to be doing. We don't need to say, well, you know what, I obeyed him 10 years ago, so I'm good. No, 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 no. Let's obey him today. And let's do it again tomorrow. Let's do it again tomorrow. Let me tell you what will happen. If you start listening to Jesus and obeying Jesus, and you start doing that over and over and over again, people will notice. Church, let me tell you what will happen if we start listening to Jesus and obeying him and doing it over and over again. Our community will notice. They just will notice. And it's what he's called us to do. In just a few moments, we're going to wrap our time up. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus this morning. I'm not inviting you to respond to anything I've said. I'm, res- I'm inviting you to respond to Jesus, the living Savior, this morning. And if your next step today is to pray and receive him as your Lord and Savior, man, we, we, we want you to make that decision today and be changed forever. If you need to be baptized, you can, you can begin taking that next step by marking on your communication card. There's going to be an opportunity for you to get baptized. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Maybe for you, it's just been a long time since you listened to God, and your ears need to be open for the next few moments like they've never been open. Your eyes to the presence of God need to be open like they've never been opened. Your heart needs to be open. Maybe it's been hard lately. Maybe something bad's happened in your life lately. Maybe something you don't agree with's happened in your life lately, and your heart's just been closed off to God, and he's who you're desperate for right now, and you need to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. You're who I need. I'm going to open my heart right now and let you do what you need to do right now. And when you tell me to do something, I'm going to obey you because that's my calling. I want to move when you move. It's also going to be a great opportunity for you to give. Church, let me tell you something. We're going to celebrate this soon, but you guys were crazy generous in 2018. Crazy generous. And I'm believing for crazy generosity to happen in and through this church as we just trust God with our finances so that he can do more in and through this church. It's also going to be an opportunity for you to drop in your communication card. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love for you to drop that in so that we can be a blessing to you. So I'm going to pray. After this prayer, we're going to stand, and we're going to respond to Jesus.